Hey everyone, welcome to the 4D Experience, Deep Dives with Dan and Drew. I'm Dan. I And I am Drew, and we are reunited, and it feels something. Yes, we're in the same room. Um, I've done my traveling. Drew, you're about to go traveling. Yeah, I'm about to, to hit the road with uh, our dudes and, and dudette from the Outlap F1 podcast. We are going to invade Nashville. As I was tweeting with uh, some people, we're, we're going to do the Frank Costanza. We're coming in lock, stock, and barrel. We're going to be in the pool. We're going to be in the clubhouse. We're going to be all over that shuffleboard court. And I dare you to keep us out. Can you post some pictures of you guys playing shuffleboard? In <laughs> we will be playing golf, though. There you we go. Will, I don't know if we'll be doing shuffleboard. Uh, we, can, we can add on to our 40 experience with some shuffleboard analysis, you if go. you want. Uh, I think it's on ESPN The Ocho that they restarted. <laughs> I saw something. What did I see? Oh, I will tell you. Speaking of ESPN, the Ocho, and I could not believe. I thought I was having some sort of like drug-induced hallucination. I was not. When I don't take drugs, but I thought I was having a hallucination because I saw on national on big ESPN something about cherry pit spitting yes. competition. Yes. What? in the bloody hell is this? I mean, I know we, we, we have to waste time in Michigan somehow, but damn. Yeah, that they are restarting briefly ESPN The Ocho, and that is one of the events. Well, that would have been running. nice if they branded it as ESPN The Ocho because they made it look like it was legit. Hey, it's legit. Those people work very hard at their craft, okay? Uh, other people who work very hard at their craft are the Olympians. That Now that's real. And yes. uh, we and we will get to that in the second part of our show because that's a that's going to be a big part. Um, but first, we'll start off with our usual uh, the Cubs and the Sox. We won't go into a whole lot of detail because it's those. It, it, this is the, these are what they call the dog days yes. of summer. If if you are looking to try to extrapolate who's going to be good, bad, or indifferent, other than maybe the LA Dodgers, just because that team is stacked. Um, good luck. Like it, it does not bother me that the the Sox are kind of sort of struggling a little bit. Um, they're, they need some offense. They need Eloy to be back and consistent. They need Louis Robert to be back sooner than later. Um, so it's just kind of waiting until that roster can kind of settle and then resettle and settle again. Um, but uh, one of the games I know, did you see the Sevi Savala three run, three home run, or four his, home run? His first his three, first three home runs. Major League home runs were in the same game. First in the same time that's game. ever happened, yeah. I, I saw two of them and was stunned. And uh, I actually missed the third one. I didn't think it was him that hit it because I'm like, that's not And then sure enough, it was him. So sadly, they lost that game. But I mean, talk about dude having yourself a night. Yeah, no, I, that that was something special. And, uh, you know, you watch baseball long enough and you'll run into stuff that you've never seen before. Yeah. And that's a great example of it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, so for the White Sox, a couple strong games against the Indians followed in, in sandwiched in between that loss. Um, this series against the Royals, which is just a team that always is kind of their pain in their side. Up last week, too. Yeah. I mean, up and down. So, again, I, it's the dog days of summer. I'm not reading too much into it. I think they'll be fine. They've got enough big enough lead in the division. It will be fine. We got a big series coming up, though, this weekend with Cubs and Sox. Crosstown rivalry this week. The, the Sox against the skeleton. What's left that of is the Chicago, the Chicago, Cubs. Chicago yes. Cubs. Yes. That is more accurate, yes. Uh, hey, look. I the, the skeleton that's left for the Cubs, um, 
yeah, they're not going to win a whole lot of games here on out. Um, but it's a chance for young guys to make an impression and get a job for next year. And that's the way you got to spin it. Yeah. Um, yeah. What else can you really do? So, uh, I mean, we talked about the fire sale last week. It was complete. It was gutting. Yeah. It's, Wilson yeah. Contreras, I guess, is the one guy that you think could have also gone that didn't. Because no one was taking Hayward's salary. Right. right. Uh, and, and I'm surprised no one took Hendricks, quite honestly. But other than that, yeah, everybody else went. Yeah. So, um, and then, you know, and they're in Colorado, and Colorado is a much better team at home than they are on the road. And they still they kept Trevor Story. He that, they we, did. we answered that question. Where was Trevor Story? Today. Because I saw him hit a home run today. Yeah, he got two of them today. Uh, yeah, Cubs lost today. Uh, they've lost two of three against the Rockets. They did win yesterday, so good on you for that. Uh, but yeah, they're running into the White Sox now. I do have a theory on this White Sox Cubs, and I have zero data to back this up. I have no. Research, whatever, it's just a gut feeling um, that the worst team, uh, when they play each other, wins the series. And that is decisively the Cubs this time around. Yeah, it is. Well, that is true. I mean, they, the Cubs will be definitely on paper by far the worst team. By far. <laughs> they tend to somehow two of three. I don't think it's, it's pretty rare where either team will sweep the other. Mm -hmm. um, I think more often than not, the crosstown generally ends up in a close tie. <laughs> Usually. It's, yeah. It's yeah. within a game or two. So I actually would think the Sox will take this two of three. I don't think that they'll sweep. I mean, you got Rodon, you got Lynn going, which should be on paper two wins for the, for the White Sox. Um, it's got to score some runs though. They've had some power outage. Like they scored seven on Tuesday against the Royals, but then they had power outages Yesterday night and, tonight. and tonight, so so it, who knows? Yeah, um, but you know we'll see. Um, should be a fun one. You know, it's always fun. Cubs White Sox is always a thing. It'd be nice if the Cubs were a little bit better. Yeah, but just as a note to the fans, don't fight with each other in the stands. That's no fun. Speaking of things that don't happen too often, um, the Cubs traded away as we talked about last week with Bryant Rizzo and um, Baez. Baez. All three of them hit home runs in their first game with their new teams. All three of them. Yeah, that I don't believe that's ever happened before. Well, that just goes to talk. We we talked about kind of the the feeling of that a lot of marquee talent when it gets moved or it does get traded, generally will start out with a splash simply because that pressure is off. They don't have to answer any more questions about where they're going or where they're going to be or anything like that. They get back to baseball. Doesn't surprise me whatsoever. I mean. I think Javi Baez is going to, to equate enjoy New York. I think that's where he's. Oh, they love him. They love so him far. already. Did you see his slide? Gorgeous. Yeah, but that but that's something yeah. we're used to seeing. We're here. used to it. Um, oh yeah, they are going to love yeah. Javi in New York. Yep. Uh, you know, the Yankees love Anthony Rizzo too. He's got six RBIs in six games. Uh, he might be their next. You know, the Yankees have a tradition of having great first basemen. He might be the next one if he decides to resign there. Which, if he's got that short portion right, he might. Why wouldn't he? Um, I, there was a little dust up because you know Bryant, Baez, and Rizzo have all said we would consider resigning with the Cubs. Don't believe it. Um, well, Jed Hoyer doesn't believe it because he came out and said it clearly was not happening. That's part of the reason they made these trades is we had discussions and they clearly weren't Rizzo. The they weren't in the ballpark. Bryant, the agent from the drop. From the minute they made seven more than six and they flounded the rules in the team's favor, 
Chris Bryant was going to be a Cub for seven years only. You knew that. And that's why you were counting down two years ago. You were looking to try to maybe if the Cubs weren't in contention to make deals for him because they knew that that was going to happen. The one that surprises me is, is Baez, you know, but, but again, I think he's just loving New York and that's why he, he won't come back. either. Here's the problem. And I get all that. That's the business side of it. That's fine. But they got the Chicago Cubs a World Series, right? If you're Jed Hoyer and you're Ricketts, I don't I don't care what the business side of it was, and I don't care that you're pissed off that they weren't gonna resign or they were making it impossible for you to resign. I don't I don't care. They got you guys a World Series, they put you guys in a vaulted position. Treat them with a little bit of respect as they leave, like that, I think Give that's a little fair. bit more that, love. That's fair. I mean, it's more than a five. Say what you want to say behind. Yeah, say what you want to say behind closed doors. I get that, but publicly, for all of your fans who do love those three players, man, you gotta you gotta show a little bit more love. No, they're just gonna they're gonna douse it in a, a, a sports book. That just came out today. They're gonna they're gonna build, and it got unanimously approved. By the way, so. Here's, you know, all the hungry city people at the trough trying to get a, a, a piece of All this. the drunk people in Wrigleyville going making bets and losing a bunch of oh, money. Oh, yeah, this, this is going to have – this is going to be great. For the for Tom Ricketts. It's going to be beautiful. Um, you know what would help Ricketts out is if they had a product on the field to get more people would there. Would be nice. Would be, be nice. Great. Um, and, you know, hey, maybe in five years. Uh, well, but, I think – well, no, he came out. What did Ricketts come out and said, oh, yeah, we're going to be contending for the division next year. No. Well, I mean, like the in, NL Central is not in good, what but. universe. I don't know, but you know, I mean, I do ascribe to to the theory that you know all possibilities exist in all possible. The universes. only team that we're better than right now is the Pirates, and that's not saying a whole lot. But there's going to have to be some major crossing of some of that string in order to make that happen. Yeah, we'll see. Um, moving on to slightly more positive news, uh, the Blackhawks got some good news. Mark Andre Fleury has agreed to join the team, so. We talked about this last week where they either get uh, all-world goaltender at probably the height of his prowess right now. He's coming off a career year. Um, or they save $7 million in cap space. Well, it's option A. They get they find their goalie of the present, if nothing else. Um, so that team now looks a hell of a lot better on, yeah. on paper than it did even two weeks ago. Uh, no, I think it's obviously uh, a feather in the cap for the Blackhawks to get a Vezna Trophy winner from last year uh, to step in right away. And, and I, again, we talked about like you know, how many games does he really play? Is he gonna he's gonna share time with Lincoln? And you assume um, no. And what what they can actually do is share the load a little bit. Like if Flurry yes. plays forty five games and Lankinen plays thirty five games, I think. You can keep Flurry upright for longer, and you can right. not Save. overwork Kevin Lankin, and you can get the most out of him Save in the Flurry same for amount playoff of time. games that you might have, or whatever. And there may be actually legit shots at playoff games next year with the, with some of the moves that they've made. So, you know, that's that's a, a collective win. Flurry said he talked to uh, talked to Jonathan Taves first, and, and Taves was a big good factor. source, very good, good source. source. Uh, he also talked to some former Blackhawks, some former coaches. Obviously, he talked to Leonard uh, when he first got to Vegas about, hey, what's their organization like? How do they treat their players? What's the locker room like? So on and so forth. And uh, apparently, he heard enough good to, to buy in. So 
Um, good, good for the Blackhawks. Yeah, he will wear number twenty nine. So last, I think, worn as a goalie by the Jimmy Wait. <laughs> so that's a bit of an upgrade for that number. Uh, yeah, older goalie, so we'll probably only have him for a couple of years tops. Maybe, maybe three tops two, if you get three. Or really you're really good. Them. Yeah, but I, yeah, I agree. One or two probably for sure. It's a bridge to the kid that they drafted, and I, I'm it lacks for his name, but it's the kid they drafted in the second round last year that they are really, really high on. And it's just a question of that's basically what this is. This is a bridge to that. Right. Because if everything, if the plan is when Flurry retires, this other kid is then ready and can step right in and fill those shoes. Drew, I, I just can't wait any longer. I, I have to talk about it. I have to do it. Gold Cup, baby. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Oh, I was so excited. You have no I idea. I can tell you were. Uh, if you were following our Twitter at 4D Experience One, uh, I was live tweeting during the game, and I was tweeting a lot. I was very active. <laughs> um, this was. I was doing. I was. I was totally multitasking. I was doing my third podcast of the weekend while watching that game, while rendering audio for podcast number three, <laughs> which took so long to actually render that. I caught the rebroadcast and was 45 minutes in before we got that episode posted. So I've seen this game. I've seen it a time and a half, literally. I put in the overtime. And this was a long game because, of course, it had to go into added extra time. Yeah. Oh, of course. Hey, it's U.S.-Mexico. Like we've talked about before, it's one of the top rivalries in the entire world. This one, thankfully, was uh, better as far as fan involvement. Yeah, we didn't get the stoppage for the nasty chance. There was one fan that ran out of the field. Oddly enough, it was during a Mexico uh, run that was – they were actually making a run, and he stopped the game and is a Mexico fan because if you weren't watching the game, in uh, this was played at AT&T or in Houston. I can't no, remember. No, it was played in Vegas. Oh, it was played in Vegas. Yeah, it was played in Vegas. It's the first right. time that that stadium has had people in it. Yeah. So – there was probably about 65, 70,000 people in this stadium. 50 to 60,000 of which Mexico fans, right? This this was a home game for the U.S. No, it was a road game. Very much not a home game. Um, it's, not a, it's not a home game when they play in Chicago. Yeah, you're right. It's a hostile environment. Um, but, and, and, and we talked about the U.S. being, this is their B team, their younger, I shouldn't say younger team because they're A teams. In their early twenties, but they're less experienced. Less experienced, uh, especially on this stage uh, with this much on the line, except for maybe you know Acosta and Ariel. Um, they've they've been there a couple of times, but for the most part, they haven't. Um, and I, as I was going through this game, I'm like, hey, you know, if U.S. you know gives them a run for their money, that's that's great, that's awesome. Because Mexico put out their A team, except for their goalie Ochoa, who didn't play. Who but everybody else, he's in the Olympics. He was the yes. one senior – now, that's a whole other thing when we talk about the Olympics, how the men's soccer game is a completely different oh, we, animal yeah, from we'll, the women's. We'll talk about that. But he was the one guy that wasn't there for yeah. Mexico. Otherwise, their entire A-team was out there who are experienced, who are used to winning a lot. Um, and they wanted payback from that uh, Nations, Nations League Cup final, uh, where our A-team was out there and beat them. Um, I got to tell you, man, I was – pumped just to get them to the end of regular time at a time like us have won. mexico put on one hell of a press i mean yeah, it, it looked like for a lot large chunk of the game like 
from what I could see, again, I couldn't hear any of it because I was kind of busy, but of what I saw, um, it looked like the only way the U.S. were going to basically win, at least in normal time, was if they countered. Because yeah. Mexico, it was when Mexico had the ball, it was in the U.S.'s end and it was the U.S. trying just to hang on for dear life. At certain points, lots of shots just missing over the bar. Some of them hit the bar. Turner came up with a couple of big saves early. Good. I mean, I love the fact that he wanted to be a goalie for the U.S. soccer team. Like, like if they, he develops into something, he could be a thing. Well, that's the other part about this team being more unexperienced. And and, and then uh, that's – Young and dumb? That's what he wanted. That's what our head coach wanted in this was, hey, you might not be on our A team right now. This is your shot to say why you might be. And Turner made a real argument for being at least number two – Maybe a number one with how he performed in this tournament. Uh, Zardis, um, I thought, played very, very well. Uh, he came in for DK, who was clearly hurt. Wasn't what he has been um, in the MLS. But uh, Zardis came in, played very, very well. He gave out full effort from the get-go in this game. Never came out. Um, and then uh, Miles Robinson, I think, might have also earned himself a spot. Uh, besides the game-winning goal here, which is obviously monumental but he's played very well the entire tournament um and and the u.s could use that type of player at least off the bench or something so, so u.s gets their goal with what four minutes left yeah, yeah it was very late it was very very late like we were all thinking oh great penalties how am i gonna watch and i'm thinking i'm supposed to be talking and making sense how am i supposed to watch a penalty shootout while talking and making sense never mind they scored yep and it was off of of a Kellen Acosta free kick. And Acosta is one of those guys more experienced uh, who might you might see some time on the, our full uh, World Cup qualifying squad that we'll see here in a month or so. Um, but Acosta was great the entire game, giving effort, uh, tackling well, distributing the ball well, and obviously putting in some dangerous free kicks. Um, and, and early on, uh, you're 100% right. Mexico was pressing. They were ball-possessing. And you're just thinking, like, man, if we could just hang in this and and get it to extra time, that's a win. Whether we there win were or a not. couple of good U.S. runs on the counter. Absolutely, there were. Yeah. Um, some of the setups were really sweet, but like the the final Couldn't finish, they, they either they tried to take a shot and it just you know right on the one goal was shanked off the post. One, one of them, they, they, the um, the poor guy, yeah, guy. yeah. So they they it was it was the classic counter puncher strategy. And that's what you have to do when you're the less experienced and you're probably the, the lesser team on the field. Um, but they made it work. He and they made it work. Right. Like they didn't uh, – did they win every game one nothing, or, or is that just my perception of it? No, they had a tough time scoring. Uh, no, they won earlier games in the group by more because they played okay. like, you know. Uh, well, Martinique, oh, Martin, Martinique and, they, won, they, they were up But against before, the good but, teams, yes, they beat Canada 1-0. Right. Yeah. Um, and oh, by the way, don't be sleep. I know this doesn't sound right coming out of my mouth, but don't be sleeping on Canada as no. a soccer power because they gave Mexico everything they could handle yeah, they in the did. semis, and they they deserved a, I thought a better fate. Talking about feisty games, that game got spicy. That game as got, say. and then that we had the 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 stoppage for the the nasty chance. And, yes. All of that protocol that I learned all about, by the way, because I'm like, why the hell? What just happened? Why is everybody not talking about what just happened? Because they can't. I because it's not appropriate for the air. 
I got to say, I liked seeing a team other than the U.S. kind of get in Mexico's face a little bit. I think Canada has arrived. Because they remember, they were playing without like four of their starters that well, they usually have. Okay. I, I know nothing about – I know a little bit about American soccer. I know nothing about Canadian soccer. They have soccer. a couple guys out with other injuries. Than and, they were and in like red. That. They looked spry. They tied that game, which shocked the hell out of me because I figured once Mexico scored, I'm like, well, that's it. Everybody. It shocked everybody because, again, they're, they're missing some key I even players. tweeted, oh, Canada, and I don't think anybody got it. <laughs> yeah, I, No, Canada, I think, has arrived. I think in this tournament – uh, and at least over the CONCACAF Nations League in this tournament, you've seen some things. Canada, obviously USA, Mexico, 1-2, as always. Uh, Canada, rise. Their stock is up. You know whose stock is down? Costa Rica doesn't look good. They look very, very bad. They usually are a threat to get to the World Cup every year. They have not looked very good. Thoughts on Honduras, who I know are always sometimes a thorn in the U.S. side? They are. They knocked us out of the Olympics uh, running um, this year. They're okay. Uh, I would say they're – I think they're maybe taking over that Costa Rica-ish spot in, in Central America, maybe the uh, you know, fourth best team right now because Canada looks phenomenal, uh, which is great to have. Um, make CONCACAF better because we – No, I mean better competition across the board. I mean I think that's always one of the things where our part of the world struggles is we have these good competitions amongst ourselves and then we try to take it to Europe and it's just like, it doesn't work. Oh, hi, how you doing? Thrones. Yeah. Now I, it, I don't know if, how uh, much have you been paying attention to the uh, Pacific, the Oceania conference at all? No, Australia actually up and left because their competition wasn't good enough. So they joined the Asian uh, conference oh, okay. to get better play, which basically left Oceania all to New Zealand. So New Zealand can like well, stroll. It, doesn't like if you don't make it out of the hexagonal, don't you go play a duo g- game against like New Zealand? I be- yes. So I believe. I know Mexico did that a few years ago when I'm, they got almost knocked out. And yeah. Destroyed New Zealand. Yes. Uh, I believe New Zealand will be the automatic qualifier from okay. there. And then you'll end up playing like Fiji. Tasmania. Or or, yeah. It's, it's one of those. Um, so it's a little different uh, now. Um but, no, CONCACAF looks strong. I think Canada has arrived, which makes us better. Um, the, the fact they were chippy against Mexico, I loved that rivalry being formed. So Fun tournament. Yeah, it, totally. I mean, and I actually thought the closest game, I mean, other than the final, the game against, of all countries, Qatar – Actually, I thought was going to beat the you knock the U.S. out. It was an but, exciting game, um, and I think they're very pleased heading into their hosting the World Cup, being like, "Hey, we made the semifinal of the Gold Cup. We can play against other teams." Uh, do I think they're going to do anything in the World Cup? Probably not. No, but for a host country that's not a soccer country, well, it's, they'll make a run. They're all they're all older players, though. I mean, they're all they've all been there, done that for a long. time. They're all long getting time. handsomely paid by that government. Oh, I'm that's sure. true too. Um, yeah, it's when we get closer team. to the World Cup, I'll share some some trade secrets that I've learned uh, about how uh, soccer federations work. It's icky. Hey, we got World Cup qualifying coming up in September, I believe. Um, Yay! Yeah. Uh, we're Actually, in the so so okay. Here's my question, yes. and I know I keep coming back to this, and I'm sorry. 
I know sometimes when the U.S. plays in the Gold Cup, some years it really, really freaking matters. Like, do they go to the Olympics or do they go to the Confederations Cup? Or does it? did yes. this just stop here or is there so, something that they get to do because they won this? This ends here and it's our continents. Like, like version of the Euros. Right. Our version of the Euros, yes. You're right in that usually this would go on to the Confederations Cup. But they're not going to do Where that. the other winners of their tournaments would all meet into the tournament. Because I remember there was, and maybe I'm having another one of those hallucinations, but I remember a Confederations Cup where the U.S. got to the final. And it was the first time they ever got there. They went up against Brazil. And then they got they got smoked. up to a No, they got up to a 2-0 lead and then proceeded to get smoked. <laughs> Like, they gave us hope for 45 minutes. I remember I watched the first half here. I'm like, I'm going to have, like, the USA chant going in my car. And I went over to help my my parents with something. And by the time I came back to the TV, there had been, like, 10 minutes in the second half, and they were down 5-2. to two. Yeah. And I'm like, what the, what the, what the hell happened? Yeah. Um, but I guess they're – are they not doing that? The Confederations Cup was – no, they're not only not doing it this year. It was stopped after 2019. Like it's and not COVID related. I think okay. they just stopped it. Wow. Because uh, so I mean, not, that used to be the dry a... run for the country. Yeah. It was like to see that the that the lights would turn on in the different venues that they all had to build. Yeah. No, I believe it is discontinued. Well, that sucks. <laughs> I'm yeah. Sorry, that sucks. That it was actually a favorite little tournament it's a cool that tournament. I liked. It was only a certain number. It was only like what is it? Eight teams, something like that. Yeah. And you got to see some some cross hatching of soccer skill. Some teams would take it more serious than others. As you were just saying, it's a test to see how good are you really. You just right. entered, you left your little bubble. Now let's see how good are you really. U.S., play Germany, play Brazil, play Argentina, whatever And something it is. other than a friendly, because right. to me, I think we take friendlies way too seriously because they don't really mean it. You really got to look at the roster, and, right. and they're allowed a billion subs, and it is what it is. But... Yeah, no. Uh, so the next real thing we get is the World Cup qualifying, and that's an octagonal, uh, which the U.S. is rejected. I thought called it a hexagonal. I think there's eight teams. Okay. Well, you're the you're the soccer guru. I'm pretty I'm sure there's eight. Um, Last time it was six. Two get through for sure to the World Cup with a third. Uh, one gets to go play like New Zealand right. or Tonga or one of those. Right, right, right. You're, so you're thinking CONCACAF should... So, so the U.S. really screwed. What you're telling me, Dan, is the U.S. in the last World Cup really screwed it. Oh yeah, well, yeah. Okay. Oh no, no question about that. Okay. Oh no, they they took a dive hard. Um, uh, Lexi Wallace would call it the lowest point of U.S. men's soccer history, uh, which would be correct. Uh, that would be absolutely correct. And then he was crying at the at this uh, final of the Gold Cup. Uh, oh, okay. I, well, again, I was oh, paying just, attention to the audio. Just tears. He was choked up. He couldn't really speak. Uh, yeah, he was in a. He, he was a whole mood. I mean, I saw. I saw them lift. I. What I. The one thing I gotta say about soccer, if nothing else, what they do better than any other sport, they understand that the trophy has to be this big, huge, oversized <laughs> thing that you should be able to dunk a baby into. Because you could lift that thing, and I mean, you pull that thing, put a, pull pull the champagne, and you're getting wet. I thought they were gonna just collapse the stage that they were on. That thing was. <laughs> oh man, I was so that nervous. Was some jumping, jump oh, around. I was so nervous. Jump but, around. Uh, no, there's a lot uh, going on with the U.S. men's team for once. Uh, thankfully, 
And I, I don't know what the roster is going to look like for goal, for World Cup qualifying. I'm hoping some of our stars come back for that. Not that, honestly, after this performance, I don't think they'll need it, hopefully. Um, but we'll see. We'll obviously have it for you. I'm sure I'll be live tweeting during some of that as well. Uh, we're going to take a break, and then we'll hit all or most of the Olympic stuff on the other side. Cue the clarion call. The torch is lit. We're, we're going to light the 4D experience torch and talk about the Olympics. A week and a half late, but that's... <laughs> They're that's still a, going on! They're still going on. They're still going on. Come on back. All right, so we're back. Uh, we're going to talk Olympics. Uh, we haven't really discussed it a whole lot. Um, on no, the we got so up far. to the lead up for it, and then Dan left town. Yeah, yeah. We had to go to that B configuration, which, by the way, I apologize for sounding like I was in a cave. Um, we're not going to do that configuration anytime. Dan sounded fine, um, but I'm not doing that ever again. So lesson learned, no more cave Andy speak or Drew speak. Or whoever. <laughs> well, we got a lot of Olympics to talk about. Um, we should probably just start with, since we just finished with the U.S. men, let's roll right into the U.S. women. Uh, they are, they came into this competition rolling. Uh, I think they'd won, they're unbeaten in 44 yeah, matches. They probably had the biggest target on their backs of any 100%. Team Everybody any wanted a piece of them, including Sweden, which got the first piece of them. Which we talked about. Which we, we talked, talked about, about how they came out with the thud and... You know, they just never looked like the dominant team. They, they had a good second match in the group stage. I think they scored like six goals. And then the third game was basically a 0-0 draw, but they scored four or five times, but they all didn't count. Yes. Something about this offside rule that I'm still trying to get my arms around. But anyway, we'll leave that there. Um, so they get into the, the, the knockout round. They have this back-and-forth game against the Netherlands, and we all woke up to watching Megan Rapino kick the, the winning penalty kick in the penalty shootout. Uh, Alyssa Nair. Um, penalty kicks are, against the U.S. is where they go to die because Melissa Nair played outstanding in that second half. And the Netherlands are not shy about scoring goals. No. They, they, they had the back like, of the net. They, they average seven goals. The one girl, if she doesn't win like the the golden boot for the scoring title, I mean, she had nine goals in four games. That's she's insane. Almost has the career Olympic scoring record, and she's only played in one Olympic, right. which is absurd. Yeah, that's a lot of goals. That's a lot of goals, and they all counted. <laughs> I think after the Sweden game, I think the, our U.S. women were clearly the better team in every game they've played since. It's just to your point, they. Never got into a rhythm where they're... You never saw them completely step on the gas. Yeah. They would have stretches where they'd look good, and then they'd have stretches where I'm like, I've never seen them back on their heels like this. Like, there are some of these games that they should have put in seven, eight goals in some of these games, and the offsides were a big problem. Just not getting on the same page uh, with each other, which is honestly... A weird thing for this team. They're usually so so, so, so here's a question. Like they, they all touted the strength of this team was the depth. Like that they could bring in five new players and they were gonna all be They're really, probably really more good. talented than the starters of the other team. Yeah. Were they too deep? Because they and does that then lead to lack of chemistry, especially on the offensive end? No, I I because when you're constantly changing players. Sure. No, I've 
watched a lot of their games and they're all outstanding. And and part of what makes them outstanding is they all have a soccer IQ that's off the charts. No, that's Every true. single one of them. So they know, and, and part of what makes them so dominant as a team is they know where they're supposed to be and they're usually at that spot. So they don't really have to think very much. It's like, I know she's going to be there. I don't have to look at her. Boom, pass. I don't have to see that she's going to be over there. I'll cross it over and she'll be there. That's what makes this team so good. It's just, for whatever reason, their timing was just infinitesimally off. Just, just, ah, so close off. And it's frustrating because it's stupid little things that is usually not a problem for them. And it just hindered their scoring so much. I mean, this is where I wonder if it's being the half a world away on the other side of the planet, playing in stadiums where this group above anybody else is used to playing in front of generally fuller houses. They're not used to playing in front of the empty stadiums like they were getting there. I was wondering if that, the fact that you could hear things, you know, I think sometimes when you, when you're used to a crowd, like I know when I listen to certain sports, even when the guy is an awesome play-by-play commentator, like we have one of the best in for, for hockey in Chicago and John Wideman, he paints such an awesome picture, but he's painting it so long. The crowd has told you what the result is before he gets there and tells you. Like, I know if they've get, given up a goal on the road because I'm listening for the crowd. I'm not listening to what he's telling me. He'll eventually tell me what happens, and then I'll get there. But I know that something bad happened because I hear the crowd already standing up. Yeah, no. And I'm wondering if something like that in a sport where you're used to it, you didn't have that crowd reaction, that audible gasp of <gasps> something's about to happen. It, the lack of crowd, I think, affects all of these athletes, whatever sport you want to go into uh just that environment is so crucial to their energy levels to their focus um and look they'll all of these countries are going to take whatever edge they can get over the u.s and some are good enough to actually take advantage of it like sweden or like canada uh, which is the first time we've lost to canada in 20 years so let's talk about canada for a second oh canada um, the one moment, if you've probably seen any highlights from this game, the it's, moment. it's the moment, um, cause all the rest of it is effectively a moot point at this, at this stage. Um, here's again, in me being a neutral, this is where sometimes I struggle with it. I can understand the idea that the, the contact happens in the box and VAR slash the ref, somebody decided that that was a foul. When I just look at the way that that coming together happens, the Canadian player is clearly jumping into the space of the American player trying to defend and sweep the ball out. I don't understand. And again, this is something I'm hoping you can explain for the audience, because I think a lot of people look at that and they go, why did the Canadian player not get a foul and the U.S. player did yeah so uh the actual foul was not the collision of the two bodies of the players uh the foul was uh the player i i, I want to say rose lavelle wasn't rose lavelle uh goes to clear the ball the ball was hit deep into our zone our defensive third and our defender is going to run down the ball and she's going to want to just kick it out Correct. right it's not a, terribly, it wasn't a 
scoring chance for Canada at all. I don't think she really had much of a play if the Canadian player gets it. But our player just wants to kick it out, which is a fine, correct play that's done about a hundred times a game. It's fine. But the problem was when that Canadian player came in, she stuck out her leg. And instead of our player kicking the ball out, she kicked the leg first. And by kicking the leg first, that's technically the foul. But the but the lunging has nothing, nothing to, to do, do with it. it. It's just so enough. so okay. Here here's another question I have then. Uh-huh. Then on like when they're doing corners, and I see the attacking player more often than not in the situation where there's some sort of contact where they're both lunging at each other in the box. In the box, yeah. The attacking player is more likely to get the foul other than the defending player, because otherwise we see a ton more penalty kicks and we just don't. Like I see that happen all the time where like they go up and maybe they're trying to grab or something. You know, it's usually a a leverage thing. But I've seen players where they've lunged at each other before. A lot of it's solved. A lot of times that gets called, but why not here? That stuff in the the, on the corner kicks or the free kicks, uh, that happens. So I'm gonna compare it to football for just American football for just a second. An offensive and defensive line. A defensive lineman will tell you that. An offensive lineman holds on every single play. It's just whether the referee wants to call it or not. Mm. There's probably a foul that happens every time on a corner or a free kick, and it's just whether the referee wants to call or not. And you could probably call it offense, defense, whatever. Those are probably a foul every single time. Um, th- this one, it's a, just an unfortunate set of circumstances where it's like you cringe because you know she wasn't trying to foul the person. It just so happened that the girl jumped in her way and put her leg out there and, and got her leg kicked, and it happened to be in the box. Do you think the the lunge was because she was trying to lunge into the box to cause that? I'm talking about the Canadian. No, player. I think they were both legitimately going for the ball, and okay. it was just a very Because I looked at it and I said, again, this is neutral outside of soccer. I don't. Mm-hmm. I watch it once every couple years, and I look at it and I go, well. The Canadian player initiated the contact. The Canadian player is the one, the reason that there's contact at all. What did the U.S. Uh, – and I wasn't looking at the feet, I'll be honest. I was so That's taken in by yeah. the lunge sure. at somebody that I'm like, well, why wasn't that? The principal point of contact isn't what's being called. So thank you for, for pointing that out. I think that's an important distinction because I looked at that and I said, that's not an effing penalty. Yeah, I watched that play live, and I just had this sinking feeling because I'm like, that's a foul in the box. And I wanted so badly for it not to be because it's such – And then once it goes – I mean, here's the other thing. You can – and again, this is another trend that I see, and maybe I'm wrong because, I again, small sample size. But whenever they go to VAR, whatever the call was on the ground is getting changed. Because I don't see them do a lot of upholding. Other once once they go through the ceremony of oh I got to do this I got to do my square box routine and I got to go jungle over that call gets changed I'd say ninety percent of the time. Yeah, and that's most, and maybe rightly so. I mean, I'm just most of the time VAR is only going to interfere when they believe that the referee has possibly made be, an error. because when they when they stick to their call, what I've seen happen is they'll leave the ball sitting where it was and they won't even do the I'm going to go over and look at it routine. They'll be, she'll be, the, you know, the referee, the guy or girl will be talking to the booth upstairs and then they'll just continue the play. So you can almost bet 
Like if 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 I don't know if DraftKings does a a spot bet on is VAR going to change this. But I mean, the second I see the little square bet, I'm going, I'm putting money down on the change. They're going to change that call. Uh, I don't know if I'd agree that it's 90% of the time, but I'd probably say yeah, about seven out of 10 times, it'll probably get changed. Yeah, definitely a majority of the time. Okay. For sure. okay. But there's a reason for that, because if VAR is interfering and saying, you need to go look at that, that probably indicates like, no, we think you messed up. Go look at that. Right. Right, um, so which which where in like why. the NFL, they they challenge it, and you don't re- you really truly don't know what that referee sure. is going to say. Right, I went as soon as she went over there and did the box bit. I said this isn't going to end well. There's no way she's going to come out and say, "Oops, no, it wasn't," because now you've made that determination that something probably didn't go right. Sure. Um, yeah, that was a very unfortunate play that ended up sending the U.S. to the bronze, bronze medal, medal game, game, which is still better than they did last time because they got knocked out in the quarter. Hey, at least time. they got a medal. Yeah, spoiler alert if you didn't watch the game from earlier at 3 a.m. in the morning. But, yes, they did They did win the bronze today, 4-3, in a very exciting game. Uh, Nair got hurt in that Canada That's game. That's unfortunate. Uh, I, I don't want to speculate, but it looked like she tore her ACL, uh, so we're hoping for a very quick recovery from her. Um, but yeah, obviously the sub came in, gave in a couple of goals that maybe shouldn't have today, but didn't matter. They won four to three and moving on, uh, beat Sam Kerr and the, a very tough, very good Australia team, uh, in a goal frenzy, which did not happen. Obviously the first time, different circumstances, you're playing for a medal now and you really didn't play for anything in the last group. Well, you were just trying to get your point and go home basically. Both teams. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Hey, they got a bronze medal. They got a medal. This is. Did it, did it surprise you that three out of the four semifinalists came out of that same group? No, okay. because I knew going in, that's a group of death. Uh, I, New Zealand had, if I was New Zealand, I'd be like, come on, <laughs> what are you doing? What are you to doing? Us? Yeah, I was going to say, what? Are, yeah, don't, poor New, yeah, don't, I hope that all of those uh-huh. girls don't feel bad about no, themselves. No, that was brutal. Because uh, you got, you got, you got a bad, oh, that's that was, a bad. That drive. was awful. No, that was a group of death of all group of deaths. That was awful. Uh, so no, that that did not surprise me. Um, but no, it was uh, look for the last run for Carly Lloyd. Her scoring, I'm assuming, last run. She's 37, 38, 39, somewhere in that range, late 30s. Well, women's World Cup would be what two years? Uh, yes, and you have the Olympics again in three, so it's not that much longer. Uh, but probably Carly Lloyd's last run. Megan Rapinoe's in her late 30s, maybe. But you have a lot of young talent still on this team. Um, so I, this, this team just reloads. I mean, they have talent upon talent upon talent upon talent. Yeah. It just seemed They'll like if, if they could get out of their own way more often, especially with the offside, just clean stuff. it up, yeah. not even get out of their own way. Just, just tweak a touch and cleaner and, mm-hmm. and you're rolling. Fair enough. Uh, speaking of rolling, um, switching to us women's basketball, uh, they are going for drew their seventh straight Olympic gold medal. That is obscene it's pretty good uh talk about dominance is not even a good enough word uh they and two of our players uh diana tarasi and sue bird uh legends and basketball hall of famers to be are going for their fifth that is that's a lot of gold that's a lot of gold and i mean that's 20 years yeah 21 because it's a weird year yes 21 years yeah Uh, there are people who couldn't drink when they started winning gold medals that can drink today. Yeah, it's remarkable what they have been able to do 
they've never lost a group stage game. They've won like 50-something straight yeah, Olympic I mean, games. It, it will make – and that's – the sad part is going to be when that streak ends, they're going to make all the headlines for all the wrong reasons, and you really should be celebrating the dominance while you see it. But that streak ain't going to end this year. No. <laughs> they are going to end with a with an if, historic if, goal. It would take some sort of epic fail. Uh, I believe they're playing tonight, actually, goal. if I'm not mistaken. Or uh, this morning. No, I think – well, yeah. Uh, but – they will play, uh, I believe, Spain, I want to say, in their final. Uh, I might be wrong about that, but I want to say Spain. But they should win. Uh, I, now, their uh, stacked roster, and speaking of depth, their subs can start for anybody uh, around the world. But Brianna Stewart is putting in her minutes. She's playing like 30-plus minutes a night, considering their 10-minute quarters, like 40 minutes she is putting in work. Uh, a lot of people have considered her to be the female version of Kevin Durant, where she just basically does whatever she wants, and you can't stop her. But she's playing defense. She's running the team. She, amazing, amazing effort by Brianna Stewart in this in this Olympics, and she will come back for the next one. Um, she's young enough. So, speaking of Kevin Durant. Speaking of Kevin Durant. The U.S. men's basketball team stumbles at the beginning against France, which is important for reasons that we'll get to in a second. But after that loss, uh, they they went up against some interesting teams. They played an Iran team that most people write off immediately. But people, if you look at the roster, they had an NBA center. Their center played in the NBA for several years, a legit seven-footer. And they had two shooters that... I bet you can get some time in a, in some NBA team somewhere because they can shoot. Not a terrible Iran team for what most people assume that they are. Uh, that being said, U.S. took care of them by 54 points. Uh, so there, there's that. Then they go up against the Tomas Sadoransky. Uh, oh, man, we haven't even talked about the Bulls. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Thomas Sadoransky. We'll have that one next week probably. Woo! Yeah, we got to talk some Bulls. Oh, man. So Dan's in a little bit of mourning here. Oh, I, I love Thomas Sadoransky. But his Czech team, uh, which was led by him and basically gave the ball to him and said, please lead us to the promised land. He tried. He tried so hard. They just didn't have enough <laughs> shooting around him to get the job done. And they fell to the U.S. in the group stage, eliminating He them. reminds me of, like, the football equivalent, and I, it's, a, it's a trope, but, like, of like Rudy, where if you could put like that dude's effort into somebody else's body, boy, would you have a one hell of a player? Even then, he's six seven. Now I know, but, but I mean, it's a... just like if you gave more more natural gifts, athletic like, ability, like, yeah. like that dude's had to work for every sure bit of athletic ability he has. But he's a walking triple double in this in this FIBA basketball, and, and they'd call uh, Dame Lillard came out after the France game and said like some of these players are just different here. Evan Fournier for the French. That dude is not playing that way in the NBA. Uh, Thomas Sadoransky is not playing that way in the NBA, which we know because we'd love for him to put up triple doubles in the NBA all the time. Maybe not now. <laughs> but um, well, again, when you play for the U.S. in basketball, you have the world's biggest target on your back. Yeah, you know, you're always going to get no matter no matter who it is, whether it's low, a lowly. I don't mean this disrespectfully. A lowlier team like Iran. Or a powerhouse team like France, you're going to get their A1 best effort. They're going to play their best guys the whole damn game. They're not going to sure. give you an inch. Well, not only that, let's let's take Sadoransky for a little bit. He plays for the Chicago Bulls. You had Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic there. 
those two are going to require the ball and score the ball the vast majority of the time, right? You're basically asking Sadoransky, it's like, yeah, that's great. Get the ball to them and let them do the work. Here for the Czech Republic, they're like, we're getting the ball to you and you need to carry us on your back and drag us to whatever metal you can possibly get us to. It's a different mindset. A lot of, and, you know, uh, the, the experience, well, Spain's a whole other question, but the Australia team uh, who we beat to get us into the gold medal game, that's Patty Mills. Patty Mills is an okay NBA player. Here, he is a freaking MVP candidate. Like, he is balling in this tournament. And, and that's kind of that FIBA mentality of like, no, no, no. Now you need to lead us. You can't just be another guy. Uh, Spain is different because they have NBA talent all over that team. Uh, the Gasol brothers, who, yes, are older, uh, not in their primes like they used to be. Rudy Fernandez, again, in older, not – this is the last run for Spain as we know them. Uh, Ricky Rubio, though. Oh, man, that's, that's the example there. He dropped 36 against us. 36. Our players were going up to him after the game going, man, you put it on us. Where has that been? Well, it's yeah, that's just it. I mean, you're not going to see. Like, I remember when Minnesota drafted him, like, oh, well, that would be good for them. And then he just doesn't do that. Yep. Because it's it's a different thing when you put your country on. Uh-huh. And you're in that. It, it, the game is called slightly differently. It looks, at least now, they, they, they finally fixed the key. The key doesn't yes, look like a, that weird yeah. oblong trapezoid thing that yes. used to be there. Um, so at least it looks like basketball, but it's it, it feels different. It sounds different because there's all these different buzzers that are going off at weird times. The scoring table is much more lit up than it is in the NBA. The three-point line is actually shorter. Okay. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's basically a long two for a lot of these NBA And players. it seems like, I mean, we talk about the NBA of being the game of rebounding in threes effectively is almost what it's turned into. So you bring the line in and what do you think you're going to get? Well, yeah. I, and I think what our USA players were unaware of is a, the physicality, like you're allowed to hit, like you're allowed to hand check some of the, some of the, yeah, there's no ticky tacky fouls here. There's a couple, but mainly you're, you're getting some contact. They're up in your Jersey and they play this thing. Called, called defense, defense. Like, where it doesn't look like an all-star game. No, they're up in you. I'm going to let you take your long-distance shot. Oh, you missed it. Okay, now our guy's got it. Now we'll come down and take our long. No, 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 no. Now you are forced to actually play the game of basketball, and you also, in turn, have to play defense. Yes, Dame Lillard, you have to play some defense. Yes, Zach Levine. They've asked him, hey, can you pick up that other point guard full court? Because we kind of have to. They're they're figuring it out, but sometimes like this Australia game, they were down by like 15, and it was a bunch of ISO ball. Like they want to play. It's Kevin Durant shooting threes and missing a lot, and and then they finally figured out at halftime. It's like wait 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 wait. Let's get some easy buckets. Kevin Durant get down like eight feet from the bucket. Hit your little fadeaway jump shot that no one in the world can stop. Get yourself rolling. Now we can expand from inside close to the bucket. Now we can hit our threes. And that's what they did, and they poured it on. They'll figure it out. But the reason the France lost Well, the is... team got better with every game, and you kind of sure. knew that because... They're adjusting. Know, there were literally guys who were on a plane who landed, got COVID bubbled, 
and fresh can, off of a off the finals. Yeah. I mean, I saw Middleton and I saw the Drew Holiday Duke, and Devin Booker. Yeah, the guys from the, the Suns were there. And, mm-hmm. you know, all of a sudden, oh, now go integrate into this team that is at least practiced for a week on you. I mean, that's that's hard to do. For for sure. I think these other guys who've been on these other teams, they've been practicing for over a month. They're adjusting well, but uh, guess who they get in the, the championship game now? Is it France? It's France. Yeah, France beat a Luka Doncic-led Slovenia team by one point in their semifinal. Uh, Luka Doncic had been 17-0. and 0. Well, a chance to make it full circle. Oh, I, if I'm putting money on this game, I'm, I'm actually betting on the U.S. because I think they want to put it on France this time. That being said, France is very good. And, and the thing about Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gobert is a very good defender. But guess what? There's no defensive three seconds. You literally sit him right in front of the rim and don't let him move. And he's uh, layups are off the table at that point. You, you just can't. So you have to hit an outside shot. So if the U.S. is making their shots, they win. If they don't, we have issues. So it'll be fun. We'll see. We'll check it out, and we'll talk more basketball because I even forgot about the Bulls to put them on this outline. It's a loaded show, people. All um, right, we're actually going to take a quick timeout. We want to re-rack. We're, we're, we're only maybe about halfway through all the Olympic stuff that Dan wants to talk about, and then I have a couple things in there as well. So, um, oh, stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned. There, there, there are rants coming. There's rant and rage. Um, maybe not at each other. But at no, we actually agree on this. At our televisions, we're going to rant against our televisions. So come on back. All right, so we are back. We have a whole other slate of Olympic sports to talk about. The cauldron is burning. Yes, um, we'll talk about U.S. baseball for a minute because you know baseball, America's pastime. Actually, better than we all thought they were going to do. Yeah, I mean, for, for sure. the for the team of. Ragtag minor leaguers and over the hill major leaguers. Um, it's a pretty and Mike Sosha doing whatever Mike Sosha does. Let them play. Let them Basically play. What I've heard. Um, <laughs> so it's nice to see a David Robinson sighting. I hadn't seen a Robertson sighting. I haven't seen that guy in a couple of years. Yeah, he's still got the curveball. He's not doing bad. Not doing bad. Uh, it's nice to hear Jason Benetti. I mean, of all things, we're going to rip NBC later. So stick around for that. But at least one of the good things that they did, they hired a good play-by-play guy for the baseball, Jason Benetti. Yes, nice oh, and he's great. And him and Eduardo Perez talking about that little bullpen cart that comes out that's shaped like a glove for like a, a good five, ten minutes on the broadcast. I was like, I, I'm happy. I'm just very happy right now. They brought back the cart. Um, that was great. But, yeah, no, the USA has done – like you said, surprisingly well. Yes, we took a circuitous route to the gold medal game. Not but they one, got there. They, they, they made it harder on themselves, but they got there. I mean, they beat they beat the Dominican Republic, which I thought was going to be a medal favorite for sure. Uh, then they beat uh, South Korea, which, you know, again, KBO was the first sport to come back. So, you know, you got to see a lot of the, the KBO All-Stars kind of there. Um, yep. But they, they played well that in both games. That was a very impressive win over Korea. Um, they they brought the the pain actually to Korea it was seven to two, uh, so they will play. Who do they play? Japan. Japan. So we couldn't get them in softball. Maybe we can get them in baseball. Couldn't get them the first time, although it was a much closer game than a lot of people. It was would've... a walk off. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was a much close. closer game, uh, and our bullpen kind of gave it up. So 
You'd never know at this point. It's one game for the gold. Uh, yes, Japan is playing with a bunch of their Japanese pros. It, it does. This is where this was one of the events. I'll be honest that I'm so annoyed that there's no fans because watching just the Japanese culture with baseball sure. and the balloons and the weird food and the weird chanting and you know weird whistles and everything else. Oh, if there was a crowd, this this it would be so would, far. Over. It would be Japan rocking would be, like, so bad. Everybody, yeah, yeah. This is I, I agree. I think this is an example of a lack of crowd does hurt Japan here. It's just not as... It's not the environment that they're used to right. playing in. And it's just not going to be as fun. I mean, you're literally going to hear every sound. Yeah. It'll be a fun game to watch. I definitely plan on tuning in for it. Uh, Frazier is another former White Sox that's... Uh, Todd Frazier. Not not the guy that you wanted him to trade no, for. He's he's still an All-Star. <laughs> Todd Frazier's uh, technically a free agent <laughs> right now, so... So do you think – so here's a question. I mean, you know, we, we, we saw this actually with the hockey when, you know, there were a couple guys who stood out when the U.S. made men made their run, and some of them got NHL contracts. Do you think now trade deadline's over? Some of these guys, like you said, are free agents. They're literally walking one, the street. Does does somebody take a flyer on, like, a David Robertson? Why the hell not? One actually did. Uh, the Brewers actually signed, uh, I believe, Axelrod. Oh, Axford, John Axford. Yes, their former closer. Their former closer, but he was pitching for Canada in this, okay. and and people were like, "That's a weird." Just so in case you, you Google him, he, that's a weird dude. But people were he's good, him. but he's a weird dude. They were watching him in this tournament. And they're like, "Hey, he might have some stuff left in him." They gave him a call, signed him. He goes to Milwaukee, uh, throws, blows out his UCL. Never mind about what's saying about John Axford. And and uh, probably it for his career. He had that one chance, got it, and and then you know it's unfortunate. It's a very maybe, unfortunate maybe story. if you're retired, maybe you should stay retired. But uh, yeah, but to your point, yes, a lot of these are young guys that are tied to major league teams already uh, that are in their farm systems and, and whatnot. But uh, yeah, your Jose Bautistas that are uh, Melky Cabrera was playing for the Dominican, um, and obviously our our two. Former pros are a couple of pros. We have Scott Casimir as well, who's I think in a AAA system somewhere. But uh, yeah, a couple of former pros doing their thing. I would love to see major league players play in this thing just one time, just one time. I know it's never going to happen, but one time I would love it because these teams would be stacked. Oh well, you'd have to put it in, in. Basically, the Olympics would have to be in like the Southern Hemisphere in order for that to happen. Uh, yeah, it would have to take place in like literally the, the middle of the like winter. New Zealand or or hey, twenty thirty two Brisbane, Australia. If if they, if it's still an event by then. Well, know. they're not having it for Paris, the they, next Summer Olympics, but they are bringing it back for the North American one in like twenty twenty okay six or whatever it is. Well, I mean, we might get you know dingo shooting being might be an event for Brisbane. So it's ESPN the Ocho Drew. That's on ESPN the Ocho. Bringing it back. I'm telling you, I saw I saw people spitting cherry pits, and they put that in as a sport. That's, We're getting off track. Saying. USA Baseball, go watch them play Japan. It's going to be a good one. It, it should be a fun game. Uh, let's switch over. To, let's talk about golf real quick because I love golf being in the Olympics. It's fantastic. It was actually, I thought, one of the better covered events. Now, granted, it, it, it had its own channel. That helps. That definitely helps. <laughs> 
And but I thought the commentate, you know, I think golf commentary is one of the better ones because they're just when they miss a shot, they're just they they take them to the woodshed. <laughs> like that's what I do. To, we all do it to ourselves every time we miss yeah. a shot. Like that's what I hear in my background is, um, oh god, who's the Irish dude? Oh god, David something. Not Lafferty or something like that. Flaherty. Flaherty. There it is. Yeah, in my head saying, well, that's just a disaster. <laughs> See, I had the Tiger Woods commentary, like the old video oh, oh. game. Oh, are you doing a Tiger Woods? You suck. <laughs> no, I got the video game going in my head. Like, mm. That's just a bit to the right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Xander Shoffley for the U.S. wins men's gold. Uh, and he shot very, very well, obviously. 68, 63, 68, 67 in the rounds. Very consistent. Rory Sabatini wins silver. Haven't heard that name competitively in a minute. Uh, but good for him. I guess the bronze medal went to, like, overtime? Oh, did it? Uh, Seven golfers went to a playoff. Wow. Seven. They were all tied at 15 under. So this is what happens when you fall asleep And there were some the good golfers. They were, Obviously, C.T. Pan ends up winning the bronze. But Colin Morikawa was in it. Rory McIlroy was in it. Paul Casey was in it. A bunch of really good golfers. Uh, Hideki Matsuyama, who's obviously from Japan, was in it. It was seven of them. So so Louis Ustazen couldn't blow this one? <laughs> no. No. Uh, but it was it was exciting. Uh, so it went to I I can't remember if they split the holes because there were so many golfers in the playoff, but yeah, it came down to it and, and CT Pan ends up beating out Colin Morikawa for the bronze. Uh, on and Morikawa had an impossible shot. He just Plunked one into the plugged one into the bunker wall and then just had a hard up and down. Um, the women's golf tournament is going on right now. There's an American winning it, uh, Corda, I believe is her name. She's the number one golfer in the world for the LPGA. So she was up last time I checked by four strokes going into the final round. So good on her for that. As we put it on, it's like tuned in. <laughs> so uh, hopefully USA will sweep golds in that the golf be, tournament. That would be fun. That'd be pretty cool. Especially um, in women's golf. I mean, that is so – I mean, the Korean women for sure are always there. And, you know, it, it, Korea, Japan, just both of those countries for women's golf are powerhouses. I do want to make note, all four Americans for the men finished top 25. So that's a pretty good result overall. No that Bryson DeChambeau. No, he dropped out and Patrick Reed got put in last minute, uh, though no one likes either of those two golfers. <laughs> Uh, well, both of them have a little bit of what I call walking putt in them. Uh, they, they're interesting. Yeah. Uh, and as tradition here on the oh. 4D experience. As live update, Kelly, Nelly Corda, not Kelly, Nelly, Nelly Corda, minus 15. Through 17. She's about to win gold here soon. Um, this is the final round? I believe this is the final round. This is round. third round. Oh, is it say third round? Yeah. Oh, then it's the third round. Okay. Uh, but... Still, having a, a nice hey, lead is... going into the final round is still pretty darn good. Uh, but I do want to say, as per tradition on the 4D experience, when we cover golf, I will say the worst score for the men's uh, in one single 18-hole uh, score was 77. Feel worse. 77 was the worst score of the men's tournament in one round. Um, I have not hit a 77 in my life. Um, I would be ecstatic if I got anywhere near a 77. Oh, sure. Oh, absolutely. I would just happy to break 100 at this point. <laughs> Ditto. It's been a rough summer. Uh, 110. 
So that, that was a golf tournament. Um, I'm going to just touch on men's gymnastics here for just a half second because they were a complete no-show. I, I guess some of them were young, and we'll see them again in the next Olympics. But uh, men's gymnastics, not doing a whole lot. Um, women's gymnastics, we can touch on a little bit. Uh, each member of their team, each of their individuals won a medal, which is outstanding. Uh, obviously, Simone Biles was the story of this Olympics, really, yeah, in a lot yeah. of ways. She was going to be even before the Olympics started, but uh, the, the the big happening, and again, we'll get to NBC in a minute. I'm saving myself for an NBC okay. rant. Um, <laughs> because how you can do what you did is just, yeah, whatever. Um, you can tell it's building when I go quiet. Um so she pulls out of the team all-around competition. She goes out, she warms up, she does a vault. Yep. Didn't look good, didn't stick the landing, pulls herself out of the competition. A whole bunch of weird Twitter news comes out. Did they where we confuse medical with mental? She basically got almost the equivalent of like gymnastics vertigo, which is Really, they call it the twisties. The twisties. That's a. It's a bad thing when you're twisting all over the place and you don't know what end you're up. Kind of gets lost in the air. It a little is bit. a problem. So yeah. she makes this decision. She pulls out. Now look, you can put all the gold medals and the different medals on Simone Biles, and they're going to be pretty darn heavy. Um, she really didn't have anything else to prove after those Rio games. Oh, absolutely. She not. was no. the most dominant. Gymnast, gymnast I've ever seen. They changed scoring. They changed her. scoring because of her. There's a there's a dismount she does that's called the Biles. There's routines that she does that a, only a couple of men do. Correct. Like it, it, she is a goat for a reason. Before this Olympics before ever even started, she does anything. She had there is nothing that for she sure. could have done that that should tarnish her name or legacy. Hundred percent. Agreed. Um, so she pulls out, and now this is I, – I, I am trying to be as – again, as a neutral, I try to be as understanding of the situation. I get I, – I support people like Naomi Osaka um, pulling out of certain events. I thought what the tennis federation said to her was a travesty. Um, and it's just she played in the stupid, Olympics probably a lot of pressure from that committee to play. Please show up for the love of God. We have nothing else. Please show up. <laughs> and she, I think she made it to the third round of the tennis and then, you know, was upset. And that was her first competitive, first competitive tennis tournament time, yeah. since the Australian Open in January. For yeah. Crying out loud. So yeah. anyway, here's where I have kind of, I have to fight with myself. I'll let you go. And then I'll say my yeah. part. So and and, you, and I think I'll a lot of fans, think do this and they have the gut reaction and they never get to my second part place because in the gut in the heat of the moment regardless of what the circumstances are you're like Simone Biles isn't competing what the hell and then you step back if you're I think a little more inclined you go okay wait a minute she's dealing with a lot of stuff she's got nothing else to prove then my thinking takes over so there's that instinctual part of me that I'm not liking that I'm trying to like suppress down and say, stop doing that. But then there, and there's the thought process that goes, okay, yeah, we should talk about mental health and she should be able to not 
And she doesn't know me anything. So all true. But I think a lot of people don't get to that second part. So I hope I'm not a bad guy for having that reaction, but I'm trying to get over it. So I'm going to start with with my negative part of this. Because um, we talked about her legacy and she doesn't owe anybody anything and she is the GOAT before she ever stepped foot in Tokyo. Absolutely. Which is indisputable and it just is what it is. I will say that obviously she had an opportunity to win a whole bunch of gold. Obviously she did not. That's on her and her decision to pull out and that is what it is. And that's going to be a thing that she was in this Olympics and, and, and didn't come away with gold. That it is what it is. That being said, uh, this is where I back Simone Biles hundred <laughs> percent. So people, that are ranting on Twitter uh, or ranting wherever they're ranting. I don't believe they fully understand just how catastrophically dangerous gymnastics can oh be God. at any given point. It's horrifying. Some of these injuries are horrifying. And if you don't know where you're at in the air or you are, you're going to break your neck and maybe end up not walking. If you are if not, not killing yourself a hundred percent, fully locked in and committed to what you're doing, it can end very badly. You said you could break your neck, be a quadriplegic for the rest of your life, or you could die. So that's where I'm, that's, and I, as soon as she said, I'm not a hundred percent focused or whatever, I, I don't, whatever you can't, you, you can't do it because you could end up literally not walking away from it. And, and I think part of it is like, we love our sports movies, but our sports movie sends, I think, sometimes bad messages. Well, it makes you reevaluate 1996, doesn't it? Right, right. Because right, exactly now you're looking at like Strug and being like, should she have really, should done, she that? really done that? She probably oh, shouldn't have. No, that coach. Well, what we there's no, a little, not, we learned a lot whole, about that guy <laughs> and a whole whole lot about what that dude was doing with his time off. Okay, yeah. We'll we'll not even get into that. But what an iconic Olympic moment that was. Right. But now you're looking at it through a different lens, and you're like, that could have been really awful. Like, she could have, like, shattered her ankle on national I mean, that was the end of her career. She was done after that. I mean, she basically did shatter her ankle on national TV. Yeah. International TV. Uh, So it's important to recognize – and putting aside the physical, which is a major part of this, by the way. And let's not also forget, Simone Biles was a victim of that same crap. She, yeah, she was. That's true. You know, she was right in the middle of it, testified. Well, going through a bunch going of her Olympic runs. All that stuff, by the way. Uh, if, if anyone out there says that she choked or is a choker or whatever. You know, if you, I see you the have, word quitter, I mean, you, you have you no idea know. what you're, you're talking about. The, the amount of medals around her neck. Again, you could put them on and try to lift your neck up. It's not going to work. They just immediately dis, dis, just disregard that stupidity. Uh, honestly, you know who I, I thought, and we can talk about him in a different, uh, but you're going to talk about NBC in a second. But uh, you know who I was impressed with? Michael Phelps. Yes. Because, and we'll talk about him in the NBC context in a second, but... In this context, in the Simone Biles, they had him on uh, after first learning about this. And Michael Phelps has had his own uh, mental health struggles uh, with, I believe, ADHD and, and some other. Uh, some there's other a things. there's a um, 
So awesome documentary. I think it's HBO Family and Network. So if you have HBO Max or something, uh, just Google or put in The Weight of Gold. Yeah. It is a – you want to talk about revealing. Now, there are some athletes in that. First of all, everybody goes through their their stuff. And there's these natural highs and lows. And Phelps has been brutally honest about the fact that he almost wanted to commit suicide multiple times. Yeah. Uh, people and, – and this is what he talked about. He talked about, you know, people don't understand what kind of pressure you're under. You're When you're ultra competitive like they are, you already put enough pressure on yourself. Right. Drew, you've seen me on a golf course. I'm not good. <laughs> I am not a good golfer. I have prepared my other podcasting friends for the epic cussing that is coming. You've heard me do it. I, am, I put so much pressure on myself, and I'm not even good. These people are trying to be the best in the world. They're very self-critical. Right. And now you have the entire world putting a spotlight on you all the time. And you're expected to be perfect. Not just good, not very good, perfect. That is stressful. And obviously Phelps didn't have the other stuff that you mentioned with Biles going through. And But my goodness. And people have no clue because you're... Joe well and, and when you, and when you like, only here and this is the this is the issue with I think sometimes the Olympics when you go away for three and a half years the rest of the sports microcosm even though there are like world championships and other types of things they do not have nearly the panage the sure. coverage yep. it's not in everybody's living room um you when you show up on that fourth year and you're not great everybody just goes huh and and, and again like I like like I confess to like in the in the immediate moment I'm like really what what the hell just happened, and then you step back for a second and I think that's what a lot of people I think need to do. I know kind of that that you put the team before yourself is ingrained in you when you're four years old and you know you sacrifice everything for the team and everything else. But look, you you got to be right. You're not doing your team any. She didn't. Do, she wouldn't have done her team any good if she goes out and fractures her hip on her first vault. Right. And I think a lot of people are like, well, isn't an Olympian supposed to be mentally tough? Yes, they are. That is part of it. And she's not going home with goals. That's the penalty that she paid. Is like, look, she was struggling I mean, with some she stuff. She not only pulled out of the team final. She, put out, she pulled out of the all-around final. Yep. She pulled out of three of the four disciplines. She came back, I think, only for the one balance beam. Which is gutsy. Probably the hardest one. It's the hardest one, but also it's gutsy because if anybody remembers back to the trials like a month ago, that's the one she fell on. Right. She fell off of the beam, and that's the one she comes back for. That's a gutsy move. Right, exactly. So, again, to say that she's, you know, lost everything, no. And she won bronze, which is very good. And no, she's got she's got nothing no to no, 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 no. to be Absolutely ashamed not. of, and anybody mm-hmm. who wants to put that on there, you just you, you don't literally do not understand what you're talking about. You know, I'm not going to do the trope of well, you've never been in those shoes, but they're different shoes than you and I walk in. Yeah, it's it's a whole other level, yeah. and, and not just Simone Biles or Michael Phelps who are like you know whatever whatever sprinter canoe you know athlete or whatever. They have their own pressure too. Like right. this is their moment. A sprinter, this they've been training their entire lives for 10 seconds. That's hard. It's really if, hard. And now you can't even fall start once. They just boot you. It's you, you used to get a pass. Now you don't get one. 
and what amazes me every time I see it, uh, rings for men's gymnastics. You know how hard? You know what muscles they're using that you've never go, go heard? Go try of? to do an iron cross and then come talk to me. Try to do just like a dip. Right. Like just do like five dips. Forget the that. Forget like the flipping and the sticking of the landing and everything Mercy. Else. What yeah. they do is so difficult. And, and the average person just has no idea. There's no idea yeah. the, so, the amount so, of work and effort. So, yeah, I mean, the spouting off on Twitter and, again, people start to show certain parts of their anatomies and lead with them. Um, that's fine if you want to do that, but just remember that that's a person. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even me, yeah. even in my froth of, what the hell? I'm still trying to remember that's a person. So, anyway. You know who's not a person? NBC television. That's true. That's true, but you know what? Organization. We're, 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 we're <laughs> up against the clock again. Oh, my um, So I actually, we're going to do a quick break, and we're going to come back and do this, because I want to give it the fine wine oh, treatment. Stay tuned, folks. Stay uh, tuned. That, that it deserves. So come on back. All right. We are back from break. We've hinted at it throughout the entire show. So let's talk about the National Broadcast Corporation. And their, air quote, coverage of these Olympic Games. Now, a story came out actually today. It was a CNN article um, that the ratings are down. And they're down big. They're down 45% in prime time. Uh, yeah, they're still getting a good chunk of the, the, the market share. But what's normally a 20 million person audience is down to like 12 to 13 that's a lot of people not tuning in, at least to the primetime coverage. And just spitballing here, let me try to tell you a little bit why. <sighs> Number one, I don't care what tropey program you're going to put on your Peacock streaming service. As a sports fan, I wasn't watching that stuff anyway. I'm not going to watch it now. I really, truly don't care. Number two, I get the fact that our time difference is like 13 hours, and that's a logistical nightmare. But you know what you could have done? You could have sold your primetime stuff like you do the Premier League, where you'd have wake up, you have your breakfast, you get inspired by your Olympians, and you go off and you go do your job. But no. Instead, we can the prime stuff, and we wait 13 more hours to put it in the primetime block full of commercials and full of backstories on people I've never heard of. I mean, it's nice to know that everybody has people that love them. And it's nice to know that everybody's had a little bit of adversity in their lives that they've overcome. Great. I'd actually, you know, like to watch the event that that person is competing. And I'd like to see somebody other than just the American once in a while. Be kind of nice. Now, here's the thing that if, if all this hasn't gotten you yet, here's the part that I don't understand at all why you do this. So prime example of this is the team all around in women's gymnastics. This is your like marquee event. You've This is the your ratings blockbuster event. It happens to be going on at like five in the morning, this part of the world. Instead of showing it live, you've decided to can it 
but you still tell everybody, go watch it on your streaming service. So I fired up my smart TV and I, I did the thing. Like I actually listened. I went to Peacock. Let me tell you, if you're an Xfinity customer, Peacock is slow. It takes forever to load. I could have watched three all-around events finish by the time I got to their menu. It's horrible. That platform needs to get checked into the bin. I can go to YouTube TV. I can watch. I can pull up the same thing and be watching it by the time Peacock is still doing its little spinny line thing. Anyway. Enough about Peacock. So then I go to On Demand. Yes, NBC owns the Olympics. Universal is my basically cable provider. Let's go to there. It's not anywhere. It's not listed anywhere. So I finally have to break out my laptop to go to a website. And it, again, I'm looking for the gymnastics team all around competition. It's buried. It's not the first thing on my screen. They're talking about a soccer game that's on TV that I could already watch. I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for the gymnastics thing. I'm flipping. It's all the way. I had to do four scrolls and move to the, to the right to find it. I finally find it. I've missed like two events. I woke up, I was a good American, I had my hat on my heart, I was ready to sing the Star Spangled Banner. And by the time I got there, I missed two events. That still isn't enough yet. Now what? Now listen to this. So we have the Biles situation that's happening, right? Now they had two, two people doing the commentary on the live stream. One was um, Nastia, Nastia Lukin. Lukin. I keep calling her Natasha. She's not. Nastia Lukin. Olympic gold medalist in her own right, and Tim Daggett, who's been doing gymnastics commentary forever. I recognize those voices. That makes total sense. They're doing one set of commentary live, right? So I realize I missed those first two events. So for some strange reason, I felt compelled to, when they re-rack it for prime time, I want to see the first two events. So I start watching in prime time. This is, you know, when they actually waited the 13 hours. I already know who won which is another problem. So I sit down and there's this third voice in the booth. I go, who the hell is this guy? I recognize the stuff that, that Luca and, and, her, and Tim Daggett were saying. The guy's in there, he's changing the narrative, post-production editing. Like, I know what you're doing. Maybe I've been doing this too long. I now understand what people are doing and how they make this stuff work. And I'm just going, this is insane. This is insanely stupid. Why are you doing this? It, it, there's enough there. Just let the event speak for itself, man. There, you don't have to do this. Hey! I am so happy I'm not on the receiving end for <laughs> once of, of one of these spectacular Drew rants. Uh, a lot. You've touched on a lot of I stuff. I know. I probably went all over the place. You touched so on a lot of stuff. Um, I, I'll cherry pick a couple of things that I feel particularly strong about as well. Uh, you touched on the multiple platforms. Look, I wanted to watch, and you touched on the women's gymnastics all around, right? I wanted to watch the U.S. men's basketball. Oh, yeah, good luck finding that, too. U.S. men basketball. Live. This was the semifinal to go to a gold medal game. 
It's a big deal. And I could not find it anywhere on TV. I, I was stunned. And then I had to go to the NBC Olympics website. Meanwhile, the events that are playing on TV are tape-delayed soccer. Oh, it's stupid. Anything but, you know, what you would actually and, – and a this lot is, of volleyball. I don't understand the obsession with volleyball. I mean, I like volleyball, but I don't need it all the time. This is something that people would tune in for, as I did. Stayed up late to try to watch this live. Um, yeah, couldn't find it anywhere on TV. Awesome. That makes a whole bunch of sense. Have that on your streaming device so I have to watch it on my laptop whatever that that got me mad <laughs> so and then what you also alluded to as i'm scrolling through to get to this basketball game or whatever else i want to watch god forbid i want to watch something on like an event replay and i have to scroll all the way to the bottom well, let me tell you about the event replays but keep going okay yes so i'm scrolling all the way down try i'm literally holding up a hand to my screen and barely looking through as i'm trying to avoid every Spoiler known to man on the because it's under website. the highlights. It's so dumb. I'm already avoiding Twitter. I'm already avoiding Facebook. I'm already avoiding ESPN because they run it on the darn Fox Sports One. I'm all already avoiding all of this so I could just watch my darn soccer game or whatever I'm trying to watch. It's horrifying, and sometimes I get spoiled anyway. And I'm like, nah, right? And, and, and then I can't watch it, and then I'm just because I can't do that. I can't watch something that I know the result of. I just can't do it. So it's uh, so. So if Dan becomes a coach, he's going to have a problem with game tape. No, I'm just different, just different. Just but yes. Um, so uh, those were my two biggest issues with it. I will say before you go back on your rant about event replays, um, going back to Michael Phelps and some of the coverages, like actual the people covering this. No, the on-air talent I actually think has been really good. I was stunned at how good Michael Phelps was talking about swimming, and we didn't talk about swimming. If, if you want us to talk about a specific Olympic sport, just let us know on uh, our Twitter, at 40 Experience One. We'll build something around it in the next show. Uh, I'll watch an event replay to research it. I, hey, if you want us to talk field hockey or skeet shooting or whatever, we got you. Just let us know. Um but Michael Phelps was stunningly great. He was awesome. He was I mean, great. giving us breakdowns on the strokes, on what the athlete is going through at times in between races. He gave us a lactic acid breakdown. I'm like, what am I getting? This is awesome. And, I, I mean, they, so they, they, they have some marquee talent in their booths. I mean, local guy Jason Benetti doing the baseball. That was oh, a love great it. pickup. Love it. And, and that was – Good for you. Baseball, one of the few events you actually figured out how to cover because you really couldn't do anything else with it. Golf cheated because they had their own channel. Golf cheated because they had their own channel. But that was also really good with experienced people doing it. Um, Which, by the way, solves a lot of the problems you just had. Right. And I'm stealing your point because you mentioned this before we started I was going to say, now, now, here's a case in point of the stream and the on-air not being together or on the same page. The men's... Road race and cycling coming straight off the Tour de France, Universal, NBC Sports, whatever, has this whole crew that goes over to France. They, they follow the thing for three weeks. They actually do a really nice job of, of cycling coverage, I, I think. Um, so they brought them all over to do the Olympics. Well, that's great. Now, the event itself is happening at like three in the morning, local time. And I actually give USA Network credit because they actually showed a really good long chunk of this race. And it was really cool to see him finish at the Formula One track, but that's a whole other different point for another podcast that we'll get into another day. But 
I go over to my streaming platform and I'm like, oh, I just wanted to have this on my laptop because I was didn't want to have the TV on because it's three in the morning. And there's these other two commentators like from all like Australia doing my commentary. I'm like, where, where's where's the tour de France? This is the US stream. What 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 <laughs> now it's three in the morning and I'm pissed. I'm like it's I don't know, like these events. You don't have to do much. The drama's all there. You just have to kind of land the plane, fly the plane and land the plane. But I mean, with this Olympics now, granted, I don't know how the streaming numbers are going to come in, but the, the audience is telling you, stop whatever this formula is with your primetime coverage because it ain't working no more. Uh, I'll add some levity to this. And I'll just point out two things that I literally laughed out loud while watching coverages. And one of them was the open water marathon uh, race and who have the same commentators that did the, in the pool uh, races essentially. And they, they know their stuff. They know swimming. They do know, they do the research on the open water stuff, even though I'm sure it's something they don't cover commonly. Right. Um, but I just loved how they were trying to point out swimmers and it's open water and they're splashing everywhere and you can't see the numbers that are on them <laughs> or their caps, colors, or whatever, you just can't see. And they're trying to point out like, yeah, that's, nope, nope, that's not, the, that's the, nope, that's not her either. Oh, no, no, she's over to the left. You see the way left? <laughs> well, you can't see her now because the camera shifted because they're not on site and they're not on a boat right there. They're watching from some studio somewhere. They're watching somewhere. at a studio. It's just, that's it's another, not their fault. It's right. just funny to me. Yeah. And then today, oh, today was a joy. You know what I was watching today? I was watching the Speedwalkers. <laughs> I was watching the Speedwalkers. And, and yes. God bless those commentators. Because it's how do you keep a straight face? It's, like a, just, it's just a funny motion. Yeah, look, in and of I am itself. not slamming Speedwalkers because no. they're walking at a pace that I cannot do. I would have shin splints. Uh, brutal. And they did 50 kilometers today. Right. That's insane. Kudos to you guys. But the commentary, the commentary was like, he's one of the best walkers in the world. And I'm like, can you just just think about yourself saying that sentence? He's the best I've, walker I, in the I world. I went to college. I went to broadcast school. I paid my dues. It's just it's, I've gotten promoted to the big leagues of Olympic coverage. And I get to say he's one of the fastest walkers in the world. Like, well, technically true, the absurdity of that sentence is hilarious to me. <laughs> and I laughed out loud and I'm like, really? Is that what we're talking about right now? The best walker in the world? Yeah. Okay. All right. I loved it. I loved it. I mean, I mean was, it, it, and, yeah. it, the natural question is, well, Drew, how would you fix it? Put it on live. Just let it be live. Put it on at four in the morning. Put it on at five in the morning. People are waking up. Market it like you do the Premier League. Don't spoil it on your own website. Don't spoil it on your own website. Don't don't have people wake up and know what the, the answer is before they do it. Put it in the primetime block if you want 13 hours later, but show it live so that those who are dedicated and want to do it and have a watch party at 3 in the morning can do that. Now, I mean, there, there were some really good moments, like the, the swimmer from Sitka or Alaska. Who ended up winning the gold and, and her high school was oh, going that was nuts. Great. That's a great, I mean, that's a great moment. And they washed you in it more than you got to watch it 8,000 times, yeah. but fine. 
that that can be. I'm I'm totally in for those types of moments in my Olympic coverage. But I think no matter when when it happens, have it live. You have enough networks. I mean, they this was the first time they didn't one have a special channel for just the Olympic coverage like they have in the past, and two, they didn't utilize um, MSNBC for almost anything. I mean, I don't know what breaking news, unless there's something really bad going on in the world that's happening at three in the morning, that you need another uh, replay of, uh, you know, the one of the political commentary shows. I think this is actually a really great point. I think, like CNBC, this should be your channel for the Speedwalkers. Right. And, the and the cycling. other thing is they mix them up. Like, one network, it's it's USA to watch the men's cycling, but the women's cycling is on CNBC. I, I, you can't, there's no consistency. Pick pick a genre of sport and then assign it to a channel and then roll with it. And I think you'd be like, if I wanted to watch this type of thing, it's probably here. If I want to watch this type of thing, it's probably there. And and you'd find it and you'd be like, oh, this makes sense. Also, just rolling on, I'll click the information because it'll say, 2020 Tokyo Olympics on the TV guide, right? And I'll click it and I'll say, this is your equestrian uh, block with maybe some baseball, with maybe some track uh-huh. and field, whatever. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, I kind of, I haven't watched any equestrian yet. Click. And it's like a replay of a basketball game. And I'm like, this is not at all what was advertised. Right. Why? Right. Why are you doing that to me? I want to watch something. And you flooded your cable stations with these commercials of show me the Olympics. I'm still waiting for you to show me some of the Olympics. Yes. We've each had our issues. Anyway, I hope, and it's not like there's not people that, that go there or do a great job or work really hard. I understand the logistical nightmare. These Olympics are you're, you're 14 hours from home. You're in a COVID bubble. You know, you're worried about that. You're trying to bring, high definition programming halfway around the world. I understand that. I mean, if nothing else doing this now has given me a new appreciation for audio mixing and all that goes into that. But my God, you can make this so much better. I mean, just just do what they do in Europe for crying out loud. Just show the events. People will come. There's not a, you don't have to do much to it. It's pretty good on its own. That's why people I think watch. part of your issue with the ratings being down is People already know. Yeah, and they just don't want to watch. Like, why would why would I want to know? Like, if I know that the U.S. women's team all around finished in a silver, why am I going to then prop myself up to watch this and go, oh, they finished? Maybe in silver. If they, maybe if you know they finished gold, you might want to see them actually right. get it. Right, fine. But if they didn't, or if anybody didn't, I don't. I mean, the the fact <laughs> of the matter is, on demand and all this technology that they pioneered has taken that primetime block and almost rendered it inert. Yeah. Especially if you're not showing the events live. Yeah. I agree. Anywho, we have now done enough of hinting. Yes. Um, uh, yes. I'm going to go to Nashville tomorrow. There you go. <laughs> so I'm going to burn my face off and watch some cars go around really fast uh, with, with the Outlap people. Um, so we're coming down lock, stock, and barrel, like I said. Um, so for Dan, I am Drew. This is always super fun doing this. I hope you understand it's a long episode, but we had a lot to cover. We will cover more next time. We'll talk about the Bulls. We haven't even talked about the Bulls yet. Oh, Drew, we haven't talked about the Bulls. Oh, my God. I got stuff to say about the Bulls. I know you do, but uh, we got a whole offseason to get into that. So uh, come on back next time, and uh, we'll catch you on the next one.